Welcome to State of the Franchise, the podcast that talks about franchises of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genres, and types. I am one of your hosts, Tom Stadler, here with my co-host for this honorable ceremony this year, Fred Dakin III. This is a gray. <laughs> this is a day of great magnitude. Oh, I'm just trying to set the vibe of the Oscars. I feel they really like play up the intensity and the importance. Oh, 100 percent. Like yeah. this is a monumental day. This is the day where we smell our own farts and realize <laughs> they smell good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we watch sick montages. Oh, I kind of miss. Do you remember when like Billy Crystal used to do the opening montage of movies? Oh yeah, they're missing that. Like that was like the thing that like sucks you in. You're like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I love all the montages at the Oscars. I think the whole thing could be montages, and I'd be happy. Just like some put some John Williams score and a bunch of like classic scenes from movies. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely something that. I feel like that's the moment. You want to know what what was good. And then you remember like, oh, yeah, the 80s were good once upon a time. (laughs) (laughs) Four movies, (laughs) kind of. So for this week, for those of you tuning in, we are obviously doing our second annual uh, Oscars episode, which is really kind of a year in movies episode, but we are going to be talking a lot about the Oscar nominations. Yeah, definitely. I think we liked a lot of the films that were nominated, but we also liked a lot of films that weren't. I, you know, I always kind of pick what I would pick in my mind for each category. And even though my decision doesn't matter, like no one's going to know about it. I kind of like to shine light on the little guys. I like to like, and you'll and you'll see today. Like, there's a lot of great movies this year. Yeah, twenty twenty two. No, it really was a good year for movies. Like, I kind of thought about our last episode as I was preparing for this one today, and it really occurred to me. I was like, man, I don't know that I loved last year's crop, but this year I was like, there was a lot of movies out that I'm just like. It feels like there's a lot that got snubbed and just a a few that was like, oh, you could have just snuck them in there, right? You could have gotten them Mm -hmm. there. I don't know. Yeah, like um, the movies of the past few years that were kind of the big picture movies, I'm thinking of Nomadland and... um, What's what was the uh, what's the big one with the um, deaf family? Oh, that was Coda. Coda mm-hmm. movies I liked, but I was like, this is not this isn't pumping the juice for me. Yeah, there wasn't. I mean, those are both very good movies. I think they deserved it of the crop that we were given that year. Mm-hmm. But it was clear that through the pandemic, there were a lot of titles getting held back. And we're going to talk about one today in particular that mm-hmm. the lead actor was very, very concerted in his effort to make sure that was in <laughs> theaters and got as many butts in the seats as it could. And it paid off because it ended up getting nominated. Fred, this is, in many ways, the year of the sequel. Because we do have two sequels nominated for the Academy Awards this year. This is also our second annual Oscars episode. So I thought what would be fun to get started is to talk a little bit about just the second ceremony, which we mentioned a little bit last time we talked. So I just want to cover it briefly. And then I got a little uh, fun history trivia for you. Oh, man. So the second Academy Awards were presented by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences on April 3rd, 1930. It was held in the now familiar Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, honoring the best films that were released between August 1st, 1928 and July 31st, 1929. 
So there really was like a six month hiatus before they even did like or more than six. It was almost a full year before they ended up doing the, the actual ceremony. And that was the first Academy Awards ceremony to be broadcast on radio by a local radio station in Los Angeles. So people were getting the results live as they were happening versus the first Academy Awards where they were getting the results like weeks ahead of time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, they were announced three months earlier for the first Academy Awards. So for this one, everything was live. And then the next day was when the publication came out. The Best Picture winner that year was the Broadway Melody. Very popular. Very popular? I've never heard of it. I haven't. Bad title. Bad title. <laughs> I mean, it, it could really get you in any which way or form. But that's a little history about the second Academy Awards, Fred. But as I mentioned, I have a little quiz I'd like to share with you today. I hope it's not about the second Academy Awards. It's not. <laughs> so if you weren't paying attention, you're going to be okay. In addition to Top Gun 2 and Avatar 2... There have been a number of other sequels nominated for the Academy Award. How many were nominated, and can you name any of them? I, I mean, the one that's easy, I feel Godfather Part Two. Yep. I was wondering, I was thinking about the Jackson movies, because like, the story on the Jackson movies is they kind of held out to the third one and hit them with all the trophies. So was two nominated for Best Picture? All three of those were nominated for Oh wow. Sure. I yep. didn't I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay. So, so you got you got three so far. How many do you total do you think there are? And maybe I'll tell you and then you can try and guess what the remaining are. Like, I don't know, around ten or is it smaller? What are we talking? A little bit lower. Ooh, a little bit lower now? Mm-hmm. Like seven? Yeah, seven is oh, the Oh, okay. There's seven sequels. That were nominated for Best Picture. So you got three so far. The Godfather Part 2, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Okay. I want I want some I want to ask some questions. Go for it. My big question is, are any of them Well, okay, The Dark Knight was nominated for Best Picture. Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture. I thought it was nominated for Best Picture. I thought that was the whole thing. No. I I looked it up. It was not nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for a bunch of other awards, and Heath mm-hmm. Ledger won for that, but, yeah. Okay, now then I'm going to ask my question. Are any of them big franchises after the year 2000? Yes. Okay. Okay, okay. All right, I need, I'm going to have to need... I need some more hints. Okay. First hint is... Not all of them are live action. Oh, ooh. Mm, was was Toy Story 2 nominated for Best Picture? Not Toy Story 2. Toy Story 3. It was Toy Story 3. Should have been Toy Story 2. I know. I was actually kind of surprised Toy Story 2 didn't get nominated, but I think Toy Story 3 broke through a long drought. I think probably since Beauty and the Beast, an animated movie wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So you got four now. <laughs> but yeah, I will say... One was in the last 10 years, and the okay. other two are older. There's one you're probably not going to get, but the other one you could. All right. Give me, give me, like, uh, give me another. <laughs> that one hit. Uh, last 10 years, what are some sequels that are, like, that do well? 
think something like The Dark Knight, where it was sort of an action romp that surprised a lot of people. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Mad Max Fury Road. Yep, that's it. Forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, there's at least one more I think you can get. This one is within the last 35 years, I'll say. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I just turned to like Quentin Tarantino right there. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Let's listen. Let's just get this all out. 35 years. Like within thirty five, so we're talking like eighties, nineties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a sequel. For some reason, I'm, I'm, I don't know why. Is it like a traditional Oscar prestige thing, or is this something like a crowd pleaser? All of the above. <laughs> I'm gonna need another hint. I'm gonna feel like an idiot, but um, it's a sequel to another movie that was already mentioned. It's not the other Godfather? It is Godfather Part 3. Oh, yeah. Surprising with the amount of flack that that movie got mm-hmm. that it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking I'd double back on 3, especially 3. Yeah. Although I kind of like 3. I don't hate it as much as other people. I'd like to see that new cut of it. I've been seeing it pop up a little bit, and I am interested in checking it out, because I've never seen any version of 3. Because I think... Peacock only has that movie. They don't have Godfather yeah. 1 or 2. They have the new cut of 3. Which, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's going to be my first exposure to it, and then maybe I'll go back and watch the original mm-hmm. cut. So the last one was called The Bells of St. Mary's. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. That's from, like, 1941 or 42, and it was a sequel to Going My Way, which was a movie starring Bing Crosby as a priest working in a, in a abbey. I'm sure there's maybe some older but folks does, out there like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, yeah. He probably goes back to the abbey to teach new people to be at that, like new monks or whatever. And then, like, the son of his best friend, who also was a monk, was dead. Yeah, and poor man, same <laughs> again. I thought you were going to say he goes back to the monastery where he teaches a bunch of kids how to sing and gets them into a national competition. <laughs> Sister Act? Yeah. <laughs> The second best movie that wasn't nominated, yeah, that was 1944, was uh, Going My Way, and then The Bells of St. Mary's was, uh, I think, the following year, 1945. So right as World War II was ending. I did add an honorable mention. Letters from Iwo Jima is kind of in there, because it's a companion piece to Flags of Our Fathers, but I don't think it's technically a sequel. I haven't seen either of those. That's like Clint Eastwood did both of those. He did. And it's like the two sides of the story kind of like almost like a rashomon thing almost yeah so it's uh it's tough because i guess it's sort of telling the same story because it's about world war ii right but at the same end it's not so i do have one bonus question for you before we move on how many of those one i like to think two uh godfather two one you're correct there um, Two Towers didn't win. Return of the King did. Yes, that's it. Mad, Ma- <laughs> yeah, Mad Max didn't. So no. yeah, that that's it though. It so was... I got the bonus point, which was worth all. It was the amount of all the other points. Yeah, that's so. it's exactly. You came out on top. You got a perfect ten out of ten. I think including everything. <laughs> but yeah, so it's very interesting to track it down now because technically now we have nine total sequels if you don't count Letters from Iwo Jima. 
that were nominated for Best Picture. And it's just, it's very fascinating that how few and far between all these were that now we have two in the same year. And I feel like we're going to have a lot to say about them. So the movies that were nominated this year for Best Picture are Avatar, The Way of Water, Top Gun, Maverick, Tar, Triangle of Sadness. I'm trying to do this off the dome right now. I actually <laughs> have it up. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Women talking. Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. The Fablemans. All quiet on the Western Front. Got the last one? No. That would be Elvis. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't forget about me, man. Don't forget. I have not left the building yet. No, we're just we're just getting going on Elvis. But yeah, I mean, so it's it's a good year for movies. I think we can definitely debate whether those were the best ten. But it's a good ten. There's a there's a few in there that are really good. Yeah, of what I have seen in completion, which we will get into, I I think I like it all. Because mm-hmm. you came up one short, is that right? Uh, you don't have to show your hand. Yet, no, no, but. I will say I came out one and a half short. Okay. You had a half you missed? <laughs> Let's say I didn't finish one. Oh, I'm very interested to hear. Oh, you could probably guess. Uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we are going to break from our little format again. So if you remember last year, we kind of did something where we were going through each category and we have a number of categories we're going to cover this year. We're cutting it down from last year because it was it took us a while to get through all of them. But this year we are going to cover most of the performance categories, most of the movie categories, just the major ones, not the shorts. And then we are going to cover, obviously, Best Director and then Best Picture. But I guess Best Picture is a movie-related category. <laughs> so we'll be talking about what we liked, what we thought should have been nominated. So Fred has his list of the little guy that he wants to shine mm-hmm. the light on. And then we'll talk about who we think could win and who will win our predictions. Yeah. So, Fred, I want to start with you on Best Supporting Actor. All right. Let's talk about it because I think this is... One of I love the best supporting actor and best supporting actress category. I think those are my favorite up there with original screenplay mm-hmm. and best director. I feel I know that's a lot of them, but I feel like <laughs> that's where you get the most. I don't want to necessarily use the word upset, but surprises. Mm-hmm. I feel and you get a lot of fun performances because the supporting performances are going to be the one with a lot of color to them. Right, the character actors, right. So mm-hmm. the five people that were nominated for the actual Academy Award this year are Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inisherin, Barry is it Keegan? That's how I, I think I kind of get an O in there, but I still don't know if it's right. Keegan, like <laughs> I wrote down actually some name like phonetics this time, and I was still like, oh crap, I missed him. <laughs> then we have Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. So Barry Keegan was also for Banshees of Inisherin. We had Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. And then we have Ki Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes, yes, yes. Who 
I am I'm very happy to see him back and doing his thing again. Well, I'm just gonna say this and it's a little bit of a cards showing is Ooh. that I think this is going to be uh, the year for everything everywhere all at the once simply based on how the other awards have been going. They everywhere all everything all at once has just cleaned up at the SAG, I believe. And there was definitely some upset. So for when it comes to the supporting actor, I am very much leaning for everywhere all at once. Yeah. And I think he kind of deserves it because his story, on top of the fact that he did very good in the movie, like his performance is so great, kind of switching between the personalities. It's just Mm -hmm. the fact that he's this kid that we all remember is like short round from Indiana Jones or... Mm -hmm. Um, data from the Goonies, and then it's like all of a sudden, here's this guy giving this nuanced performance, almost like 40 years past the time of his heyday. Mm-hmm. While also weaponizing the things that he was known for in his like roles in the Goonies and Indiana Jones, by like his character has these great moments of intense pathos, but he also gets to have those quirky moments. Like he has like his gadgets and stuff, and you like they're nodding to those performances very much. Yeah. Like he kind of has that high intensity, but he's also giving this other side, which we didn't get in the past. No, yeah, and it's just, it's sort of funny because you hear him and you're like, yeah, that's him. I think of like, you know, someone like Drew Barrymore, right, who we saw in E.T. And, you know, she's this little girl, very adorable. I mean, there's been numerous actors after that. This is the first one I'm talking about. But I I think it's so drastic when you see Drew Barrymore as an adult. Because if you saw her now, you're not going to instantly connect her back to E.T. Be like, oh, yeah, that was the little girl from that. Right. Where it's like, you know, with Quan, you're like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely him. You recognize him immediately. He still has kind of that like high pitched voice a little mm-hmm. bit, but it's so interesting. Yeah, like you said, how he kind of plays with those tools and then he kind of manipulates it a little bit. And suddenly, like, I love the character choice in his movie where he's kind of like the slick, like, where she decides to become like just a movie star and then alternate reality. And um, he's kind of like the the lover that got away because mm-hmm. she chose to leave him in that reality. Yeah, it's like uh, like the what's the director the Wong Kar Wai I think it's pronounced. Oh, I yeah. can't think of the film, but like I saw like a side by side, and it just like they're like emulating this one director. And just the shots, like if you go online, you can see these side by sides. But I also noticed that that scene that you're talking about, which will probably be his like Oscar scene, Mm -hmm. is very much like a scene that happens in Rick and Morty. There's like an episode where they have like these glasses where they can see alternate realities and like the husband in it has like the line, like, I'd rather be in this reality with you than any like reality where I'm famous or whatever. Yeah. And it was just funny. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, it's just such. I think why that movie deserves so many performance awards and a lot of people got nominated is because they are doing like at least 10 different versions of mm-hmm. themselves across all these timelines. You know, it's like, it's crazy, especially Michelle Yeoh. It's just unbelievable. And they're both doing like, well, all of them are doing incredible stunts. Cause, uh, Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah. He in Hollywood was doing like fight choreography. Like he worked on the matrix mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I thought that was super cool. So all these action scenes, he's holding his own and like doing cool stunts. And, of course, Michelle Yeoh, the same, you know? Yeah. And even Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I feel she's getting in there. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely, oh, 
man, it's just sort of a powerhouse thing. And this is almost like the one year where it's like you wish there was like a stunt coordination award. Oh, yeah. Because between this, between Top Gun, between Avatar, like people are going out there and they are doing crazy amounts of stuff for these movies. And I think it paid off that we got a lot of very entertaining movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw even Kate Blanchett take... (laughs) Get tackled <laughs> or take a header off the stairs. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it is definitely a, a fun thing. But that was one performance that was good, Fred. I did want to talk about those two gents, those two fun gents in Banshees of Inisherin because I was very impressed with that movie, and if anything. It comes to me as something that could maybe sneak up, not to show my hand too much. Banshees of Inisherin, I feel like, could start taking some awards because this sort of feels like McDonough's, like, I think me his most complete movie, but personally, is in Bruges. I think that's my favorite, but this it, felt the most rounded. Yeah, it felt like a more rounded film in Bruges, just has that kinetic energy yeah. that this one doesn't necessarily have, but it's so beautifully shot. It's got great music and great performances. Although I messed up when I we were talking about it via like Facebook message after I saw it. Mm-hmm. I did think that his sister was uh, played by someone else. Oh no! I thought it was um, what's her name, Ferguson. Or, oh, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, I thought it was Rebecca Ferguson because she's very much a chameleon. Like oh, you yeah, could, yeah, yeah. and I thought it was her, but no, it's someone else. I don't have her name, but I thought she was great. Carrie Condon is who yes, you're thinking Carrie of. Condon. Yes, Carrie Condon. Yeah, that movie I like. I feel like it's not getting like as much love as I wanted to. It got great reviews, but like in my friends group, like I've seen a lot of people post on it on Facebook that they didn't like it. Hmm. And I'm just I don't know. This one's like probably. I don't know. It's hard, but it's definitely in the top two of the best picture noms for me. I, I mean, I think I would agree. Again, not to show our hand too much, but I think it's kind of we have to in order to give context for why we like these performances so mm-hmm. much, too, is that I thought, especially this one, you can tell this was written by a playwright, and it shows just with the performances that all of the leads and all the supporting actors are giving in this. I mean, shoot, even... Like you get down to like the cop that comes in, or like the old like uh, the old maid that comes into the Colin Farrell and oh, yeah. Condon's house. Like everybody's doing something. Like nobody's wasted space. They are on that screen and they are giving something. I mean, even like the pets. Yeah, I was gonna say the donkey's great. Mm-hmm. No, not a lot of sad donkey movies this year. First, <laughs> well, uh, I was also gonna say since we're talking about supporting actor. Uh, I could see Brendan Gleeson gain it because he doesn't have an Oscar and mm-hmm. he is due up in my opinion. Um, I just relate to this movie so much in his performance because it felt it felt like when I lived in River West and I was such a homebody and I'd have my friends walking over like, Fred, <laughs> come on, let's go to the bar, dude. Let's go out. And I'm just like sitting in my house like just smoking nah, a cigarette. I'm, I'm good, guys. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> That's all right. No, no, thank you. Fred's not coming out. Are you rowing? Are you rowing? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> and also, it was a weird theater experience because I was just laughing the whole time at like the dialogue. And I think I was the only person. I was like Robert De Niro <laughs> in the movie theater. Oh, my God. And Kate Fear yeah, just yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie. I, 
we'll, we'll have to talk about that another time. But I had a very interesting experience with that, watching it again recently. Just not the movie I remembered. But, yeah, I think he definitely has I th- the, mu- the best chance of anybody else in that category to potentially take the best supporting actor. But, yeah, I think if it came down to it, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell because you really don't know. You can't predict the Oscars. They always kind of pull a fast one mm-hmm. on this with a couple of these. But it does feel like right now he definitely has maybe the best case of anybody else because, I mean, everyone else was good. I think I haven't seen Causeway, so I can't speak to Brian Tyree Henry. I know him from Atlanta and a couple other things, and he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Causeway, and then there was the one other movie, the James Gray movie, uh, like Apocalypse Time. It didn't get any Oscar noms, but it got nominated in like the SAG, Golden Globes, mm-hmm. Armageddon Time. That's oh, what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. He was in uh, that too? Yeah, those are the two that I kind of want to catch up on after the Oscars. I did see that, uh, not jumping ahead, but Living's going to come out in Blu-ray in like April. Oh, man. So you'll get to see it then. Great. <laughs> Just in time. <laughs> I'm sure it'll find its way back to theaters mm-hmm. at some point. Bill Nye's probably going to do his Bill Nye thing. Did I, have I ever done that on the podcast? Yeah, I want you to repeat it, please. <laughs> the Bill Nye, like his move in a movie is like he'll reveal something and he'll be like, I don't think I've ever told you this, but <laughs> you might be the best friend I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I can't, I hope we can watch Living one day and he, he pulls one of those. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know there's going to be something like mm. that if it's not exactly like that verbatim. And he should have gotten a, a supporting Oscar for about time. I think oh. he is amazing in that movie. He's, he's very good. This was his first nomination this year. But we'll talk a little more about Bill Nye, I guess, in a bit, even though we don't. Get yeah, we can't speak to him except we just like him. Yeah. Um, very difficult to catch a couple of these movies this year. Uh, so that'll kind of abbreviate a couple of our conversations. But overall, I think we can still talk about ones we did see. And how about some people that didn't get nominated? All right. Let me take a look here, because honestly, this is the one category that is pretty a match pretty close the two people that i have are uh ralph fines for the menu okay i would have loved to see a little oscar nom for supporting role there yeah uh especially like his line reading where she where anna taylor joy says the what she wants for the burger Hmm. and he says like that is the only way to prepare a burger (laughs) (laughs) and um uh Dano and the Fablemans, did he make the list? He So, he did not make it. Judd Hirsch, who plays the uncle in the Fablemans. Who's great. He's good. He's throwing fastballs. But if, if you had shown me that movie and come out of there and go, okay, one of these actors was nominated for Best Supporting, I'm not picking Judd Hirsch. I'm going Paul Dano as the one mm-hmm. doing the... You can tell why Steven Spielberg's had such a strained relationship with his dad in real life when you see the way Dano performs. Yeah, it's it's the evolution of the sad boy becomes the sad man. <laughs> it's the first movie where he looks like sad dad versus sad kid. <laughs> yeah, right? Which is so interesting, too, because he does play a more kind of like young, like ne'er-do-well in the Batman, mm-hmm. where he's this, you know, the crazy Riddler. And you can kind of see that kind of just youthful sort of like incel energy that he's got. Right. Yeah. So it was just, and I think 
being able to see those two performances going against each other, I'm like, oh, okay, so Dano's doing stuff here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not just, and he's always brought it. I think this is finally a time where it seems like he's coming into his own, but didn't get recognized. Which yeah, and I think we have more Dano noms in our future, so I'm not super mad that he didn't yeah, get that. Or- for sure. The only other person that I was really going to throw down for at this point was Ben Wishaw in uh, Women Talking. Mm-hmm. Definitely, which I agreed with you. We were talking last night. It's hard to like look at Women Talking and be like, you know what I liked in that movie? The one guy's performance. Yeah. But he is really good because every all the females in that movie are so on fire and like almost hive mindy. It feels like almost one performance, even though they're very different. Right. It is the reason why they should have an ensemble thing because this is one of the best ensemble casts I've seen in years because I was kind of playing the game like all right if I was gonna pick like you know a supporting actress you know best actress it's hard to because I think they're all executing at a very high level and like I said almost like a hive mind yeah and you called it out perfectly right there it's it's actually kind of criminal that nobody got nominated for performance from women talking they probably threw their hands up and were like it's hard we need an ensemble (laughs) yeah i mean we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the supporting actress category which would be next but uh yeah i mean the fact that there was this great ensemble performance but you still had you know, there, there's literally a one guy in this room that's supposed to be playing one particular role. And it's like they got Paddington himself. And he just is he's just kind of like, I don't know, he's not glowering, but he's just sort of like you kind of feel him taking the heat for all these terrible men in this community. But also kind of being like, I'm just here to do do what I can be helpful. <laughs> just be the ally. And <laughs> yeah. And like, I feel another kind of, not to that level of course, but I feel he's like a relatable character to someone who like wants to be around people and power people and have equality because like, I do feel like that. Like, Oh yep. Yep. Dude suck. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. like, I'm here for y'all. <laughs> like yeah. like I, I definitely relate to that. Yeah. But definitely not to that height of that movie because holy shit. No, yeah, that movie's a little out of control. It's just, it's not one that anybody should walk into lightly. It's very good, but please know it's it's a little triggering potentially. Yeah, and don't th- throw it on and be ready to like take it in right away because I like threw it on and went to the kitchen to grab something to drink and it starts with like a okay so this is what's going on it's yeah. like and i was like wait wait wait, wait we gotta go back yeah yeah what, where, did, it, where did we start yeah here? yeah so it's definitely it, it hits the ground running it's very like a taut movie for the subject matter yeah like it's it feels like a thriller yet it's pure drama yeah and it is kind of and I kind of say that as a positive, it's kind of shot like a Zack Snyder movie, like the coloration and stuff. It's very gray and very uh, like drained of all the color. Mm-hmm. It looks like at the scenes at like the Kent farm yes. in like the, yeah, which like I said, is not a bad thing. It just has like, the, is it like the saturated look? I'm looking at the film guy. Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a very, uh, yeah, saturated. So who's winning this category then, Fred? Or who could win and who will win? I think we kind of have our, our ending for Best Supporting Actor. So we're thinking it's uh, between Gleason and Quan, right, would you say? I Yeah, I would say Gleason could win, Quan will win. That's, yeah, Gleason could be the upset 
But yeah, that's how I feel because, like I said, everything everywhere all at once is cleaning up at like DGA and yeah. Uh, what's the other one I just said? SAG. SAG, SAG yeah. just happened. That's why I was yeah. fresh. I kept seeing. That's the one where, uh, what's his name? William Hong? Yes. Just went off. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was great. Which is great. He also, that, that was probably another supporting actor that could have got added. But mm-hmm. you know what? It's just he's got a career full of just wonderful performances. I think he's going to be remembered very fondly. And uh, he was he was in um, Wendell and Wild. Oh, wow. Too, and he was that. pretty great. Yeah. I do want to talk a little about Wendell and Wild in a little bit. Oh, shit. For now, let's go on to supporting actress, Fred. So you mentioned Carrie Condon was one that you like, not Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson would be great, though. She would have been great. She, you literally could have probably plugged her in. She probably would have done a very good job. But I think Carrie mm-hmm. Condon was very good in this movie, though. Mm-hmm. I So let's go through the supporting actress. Do you have it there? Yes, I do. So All right, because this is where I kind of throw some wrenches in. Sure. So, Best Supporting Actress nominees for this year were Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Hong Chao for The Whale, which actually was surprising because I saw that she was nominated for Supporting, I go, oh, The Menu, and then I was like, The Whale, oh, <laughs> no idea she was in that. Maybe I had a similar thought. We will see in about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one was Angela Bassett for Black Panther 2, mm-hmm. Wakanda Forever, which first nominee for, I think, the MCU. Or, like, performance nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably have, like, technical stuff. But yeah, I mean, they've had that up and down. Should have maybe gotten a nom for Iron Man 3. I think that's a pretty direct for directing. Oh, my For gosh. just directing. It's, yeah, it's We don't have enough time movie. for that today. I know you, Shane Black fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, go ahead. Okay, so yeah, I I kind of agree with a lot of that. Like I said, I thought even though I thought she was a different person, that Condon really like she was great mm-hmm. in that. Just kind of holding her own against these big powerhouses because like these are all people who have done a movie together in the same vibe, have the rhythms down, and she's coming in and just giving like something new to it. Um, so I don't know if to put this as supporting actress or if this would be lead actress. A movie that got super snubbed this year and a performance that was like my favorite performance, uh, Kiki Palmer, Nope. Oh, yep. I did I, have her on my list. I don't know if you'd put that as supporting or lead, but... I, I think she's supporting because it's... And there's no hard and fast rule, which is the the crime of the Oscars. I think they might have like a very loose rule. It's like if you're on screen for 10 minutes or less, it's a supporting role or something like that. So I think she kind of falls in that gray area where I think you could give her a supporting nomination. But the fact that she wasn't, yeah, was a a big miss, I thought. Yeah, she's pure electric and, like, she's the perfect counterpart to uh, the other character who's very stoic and quiet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other, because, yeah, I had Hong Chao for the menu on my list because I think she's great in that. And then I had Lashana Lynch for Woman King because oh, yeah. I think she brings something to that movie because she has she's intense and fierce and she's also very kind and compassionate. Yes, and I think she has that balance where she's like very menacing. She's very like big, like and like I believe when she's doing those stunts that she could really mess someone up. So it's funny that you bring that up though too because I thought after I saw No Time to Die 
and she was supposed to be like the 007 potential replacement that it was going to be. I was like, I don't know that I'm convinced she has it. But then I saw this movie and I'm going, now I see why they like her to be potentially a lead in like a, a Bond type movie. Agreed. I would have liked her to not have been all about taking James's job and being like 007. I would yeah. have liked a less combative performance, which was not her fault. That's how it was written. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the one to punch that I saw her in the Matilda musical. And then I watched the woman King and I had that benefit of just seeing such a, like two vastly different performances and seeing an energy to her that you didn't see, I think in her biggest roles to date, which I think the other one was captain, captain Marvel, not captain. America. Yes. And I was like, you know, she's she's good in that, but it's not. I wasn't seeing like, oh yeah, she's really stretching her muscles here. Whereas like Woman King, I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah, I see why she keeps getting cast. She's got a lot, and it was it's it's really too bad that she didn't get um, nominated this year. From the yeah, if we're gonna go through the rest of our people who should have been, I thought Kate Hudson for uh, Glass Onion was another miss. Another uh, another reason why a nice ensemble category would have come into play. Truly. Because, I mean, there were other good supporting performances mm-hmm. in that movie. I mean, all throughout. There's a lot of great people. Even Norton himself is, again, maybe questionable whether he's a lead or a support. I think supporting because he doesn't come into the movie until mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, 20 like, minutes. I feel... What's her name's the lead, right? When she, even though Janelle Monae, which is hard because I she's the lead. Yeah, I didn't want to say it because it's still pretty new, yeah. you know. So. But I mean, again, she's doing something similar to everything, everywhere, all at once without trying. Right. But if we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once, I mean, I definitely liked all those performances in there, as we kind of talked about already. I mean, what Stephanie Hsu is doing, I think it's maybe a little bit more than what Jamie Lee Curtis is doing, because mm-hmm. I think there's a, and I think. Not that either of them is doing a poor job or that Jamie Lee Curtis did at all a poor job. I thought that was one of her more fun roles that she's done in a long time. Mm-hmm. Sorry about Laurie Strode and uh, <laughs> these last couple of Halloween spread. <laughs> hey, she did all right. She she did what she... she she's mm-hmm. the, the ultimate fan service person. God bless mm-hmm. her for it. But, I mean, here you kind of were like, oh, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is a good actress. Like, she really brings something. But I was like... I think Stephanie Hsu definitely has something, though, that kind of showing those little Lashana Lynch pipes where you kind of see like, oh, she's got something that it seems like she can she can really bring something different. And you kind of got to see it with a couple different versions of herself that she's playing. And, you know, if you guys have not seen everything everywhere all at once, I mean, it's a multiverse movie that's not related to Marvel at all. So the idea is that there are multiple realities and different versions of these people. So they're, everyone's playing different versions of who they are, mm-hmm. and it's it's very fun to see. And to very heightened levels. Yes. I will say I agree with your like what you chose there. The one thing I'm curious about is, does Jamie Lee Curtis have any hardware? Because that question always comes into play with the Oscars, because sometimes they just do it because they think it's time. Yep. Well, <laughs> talk to Glenn Close about that. <laughs> the yep. Wife, which, by the way, The Wife is on HBO Max right now. If you scroll through it, it and you see like the um, front of it, it looks like 
a masterpiece theater PBS movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks so bad. They look like they're behind like a gray wall for a JC Penny photo shoot or something. Yeah. It is funny that you brought up the Jamie Lee Curtis thing because I did have this written down. She has never been nominated until now. So this was her first nomination. And I think if there's somebody who could win, it's potentially going to be her because it's going to be like a lifetime achievement. And she just got the SAG, too. Did she really? Mm -hmm. Okay. That explains it. That said, do you think she will win? I I honestly could see, like, I feel very 50-50. Actually, I lean more towards her. Really? For those reasons. I feel she is Hollywood royalty. Mm-hmm. And, like, they love a Hollywood story at the Oscars, yeah. you know? This really is kind of the comeback year, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of first-time and nominees. And it feels like an Oscar move to, like, nominate the diverse movie, but, like, give the award to the white person. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> I would have said the person that I thought will win is going to be Carrie Condon. Because I think she's outstanding mm-hmm. in Banshees of Inisherin. But I definitely could see Jamie Lee Curtis for those reasons. And I don't think it would be a bad call. It's sort of a <laughs> toss-up, but I do think a couple other people are maybe doing a bit more than yeah. she is. I think Carrie Condon would be my preference just solely for like the scenes where she's at like the male place mm-hmm. or whatever, and she's just going hard at the yeah. lady. Yeah. Feckin'. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Ugh. Man, that, that movie was so mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, the part where Brendan Gleeson, like, where, uh, I'm trying to think, is it like Colin is the um, other character's name? When he's like yelling at him in the bar, he like confronts him and then he walks out. And then Brendan Gleeson goes, like, I think I like him now. Yeah. <laughs> that moment, I like laughed for 30 seconds straight in the theater full with no one else laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so funny. It was like one of the funniest parts. <laughs> it's such a good, ugh, he really is good. I mean, everyone's good in that movie. And it's another one, Ensemble. I wish Ensemble was there because I think they also would have been a very good group to to pair up between Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keegan. I mean, everybody got a performance nomination separately. So say that for what you will. But that gets us actually then into the best actor category, Fred. So the best actor nominees this year are Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin. We also have Austin Butler for Elvis. We have Bill Nye. I don't know if I ever told you that he was in Living, but I've been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Paul Mescal for After Sun. And then, did I say Brendan Fraser for The Whale? I did not. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. <laughs> have you seen The Whale yet? Um, I, I'll, I'll say it here. I had really no interest in it because... At a point in my life, I was 490 pounds. Oh, wow. And and I don't, like, begrudge anyone watching the movie. I think people can watch wherever they want. But for me, as someone, like, that, that's a little step too real. Yeah. And I'm kind of bummed that's the movie that Brendan Fraser is getting a lot of steam for. Because even though I hear it's a great performance, I hear it's a pretty shit movie. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of sucks, you know? No, it does. And I think that's... I think what I've heard about this movie... It's something I've heard similar to Blonde, and we'll kind of talk about that in a bit, too. But that the source material kind of set up the movie to fail a little bit because it is sort of a weird, not 
great story. And I also question a, a movie like that in the hands of Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who just kind of is chasing like mm-hmm. he's he's a he's like, I am making films type person. Yeah, I feel you have to have least been winded going up one flight of stairs once to direct that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my opinion. But like, yeah, it's not like I, I guess that that movie just wasn't for me. Yeah. Did I say Austin Butler for Elvis too? I think you did. I did. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. Cause Which... I do like that because that is a movie star performance, and I love a movie star performance. That is a, yeah, 100% a movie star making performance, what he did. Because I was looking up some of his, I always do this. I look up a catalog for somebody after I see them in a movie. And I was like, he was on some CW shows. that I, I watched a lot of those DC shows for a bit. Wasn't he like a Disney Channel guy? And I think he was, too. I think you're right. And... He had yeah, just some very kind of like random, like basic TV credits. I think he was in like Supernatural 2 or something. And all of a sudden, yeah, here's this guy who just kind of pops onto the scene. And you're like, holy cow, what? Oh, he was also in, uh, which is a nice little teaser, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We mm. might be having uh, some conversations about that very soon. He's in my favorite shot of that movie, which is just... When it's at the ranch and it's just that cut of Tex, who is this character on the horse, and it's this beautiful long pan. And it's like one of the, you know, Tarantino does cool stuff with the camera, but he doesn't do like big epic, like a set piece shot. Yeah. And this was like, but when he does, you're like, holy shit. It's now when Brad Pitt whips him. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's pretty good. Uh, But no, it's just like a great, like, they're probably like on like some sort of rig or in a helicopter and it's just this great shot. I'll send it to you later and you're going to be like, damn, that's a good shot. Yeah. Good. No, I mean, he plays a very, uh, real life bad villain. Obviously someone killed Sharon Tate, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a incredible performance for him in Elvis. Uh, I mean, even for people who didn't know Elvis, I think you're going to f- kind of see him and be like, Whoa, okay. That's how I could have imagined him being, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, all we know is, like, what we see him in his old movies that were not as great. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for him to be in Dune Part 2. Yeah. Dave Bautista has assured us he's not going to sound like Elvis. <laughs> Did you see that article? No. <laughs> Dave Bautista was like, you got to understand, he's doing a different voice. Yep, this uh, time he's different. It's very frightening. Like he said, <laughs> like he said it. Like the the voice scared me. Oh my god! <laughs> he's just gonna be our next Jared Leto. Let's just mm-hmm. look out. <laughs> no, I don't think he's that. Bad so far, guy. he'd be on my ballot for twenty twenty three for an acting award. I'll tell you that. Whoa! For what? <laughs> nah, that was knock at the cabin. Oh, I was like, is this gonna pick up me knocking on my hand? Oh, you're talking about Batista. I thought yeah. I like, Austin Butler's in there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Batista's kind of doing a lot of stuff. Because, um, yeah, that was... I didn't love Knock at the Cabin like I did old, but I'll say his performance is something. That is, that's good to know. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him in that. So, I guess these were all very good. I, I would, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Colin Farrell and Paul Mescal for a little bit, because obviously we can't speak to Bill Nye, but obviously we, he's a nominated first-timer to... So that's something to consider, too, as we talk about our predictions. But, man, Colin Farrell in Banshees of an Instrument, I have always liked Colin Farrell. I think ever since I, I have a story about my first Colin Farrell encounter, it was I was on a plane down to New Zealand. So I had a 14-hour flight, 
and I had to find just any movie to watch, and I popped on Phone Booth. Mm. And so I started watching Phone Booth, and I am like, wow, this guy is magnetic, <laughs> this Phone Booth. He's literally just by himself talking to some dude on the other line. Like, he's literally just doing, like, almost like a one-man show here. It's like, this dude's a movie star. And talk about a movie star making performance. That's when I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to watch anything with this guy in there. And around that time, another another performance where you could tell he was here to stay, I thought, was um, he goes head-to-head against Tom Cruise in Minority Report. And yes, he's he like does. a new He's like the new guy, and he... He works in that movie. I love Minority Report so much. I really want to revisit that because I've heard that's kind of like a Starship Trooper. So like it ages very well. It ages like fine wine. I like it better every time I watch it. Is it Spielberg? It's Spielberg and it's like dark. It's like how I really want you to rewatch AI. I'll, I'll give it. You know what? I've actually never seen AI. There you go. And it's streaming on something. You should do the the double feature. It's like the dark sci-fi Spielberg, and it's dark. I'm very curious about that movie now, knowing that Stanley Kubrick was trying to develop it, too, for a while. So now I'm like, okay, I think I need to watch this and just see how my boy Haley Joelismith does in that thing. Yeah, that's that's the even though it's not like, you know, The Sixth Sense is a great performance, but I feel he's got a lot more to do. It's a little messier movie, but I love AI. Yeah, but so Colin Farrell, though, I think he kind of, tampered around for years we're just doing some stuff where he was they're very much like you're gonna be our hollywood lead like put him in alexander which i didn't like the new world which i didn't like even though that was a malik um and i'm just like why can't we get my guy colin farrell a good movie and then suddenly it really just took him going back to these indies where he started finding his his mm-hmm. kind of like his passion and you could see the energy come back to that you're like oh that's the guy i saw those years mm-hmm. ago and man, it it really came to a culmination because at first I was like, he's doing a good job in this. But when you see his transformation over the movie from just kind of being this simple person to this very bitter, like, can't stand society, just sort of like everybody else. It's sort of like, OK, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I want him to have all the awards, so I'm too biased. I wish he would have gotten some for the lobster, but. Oh, I think that's probably my favorite performance. That's a great Rachel Weisz performance, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Paul Mescal, though, in After Sun. Did you get to catch After Sun yet? I did not. After Sun is a very interesting movie. I kind of understand why it didn't get nominated, but I would definitely recommend everyone watch it. Because I think it's definitely... I think it's a top 10 movie of the year, but I don't know if it's best picture worthy. Even though some people are like, oh, it's the best movie I saw. I'm like... It's just a great, you can tell it's a personal story and he's playing a very, a very personal role to somebody who's making that movie and you can tell he's doing it justice like 100%. Mm-hmm. Like it's just exactly, it's just a good, a good prism. So if I can only just say something, for, I think he's great. He's going to be around for a bit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He will be playing, uh, he will be taking over the mantle of Leonidas. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wait, so. Isn't Leonidas, uh, who is he in Gladiator? Or maybe he's not going to be Leonidas. I keep getting confused because there was a Gladiator 2 script written by Nick Cave where it was like Leonidas in hell. So I keep thinking he's coming back. Wait. That's, wait, not Leonidas, Maximus. I was like, that's 300, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, all these isses. Leonidas, Maximus. Wait, is he Maximus in the movie? I think he's going to 
Or is he just he's like different? someone's kid in the sequel? Okay. But he's grown up now. And it's going to be Ridley Scott, so, you know. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that will be his, like, like I mean, he got nominated for this, so obviously he's getting traction, but I think him being in a, like, Ridley Scott and it's the sequel to Gladiator, that's going to be... A Sword and Sandals movie, too? Yeah. yeah for sure. I think it's going to be right up his alley. How about some people that you thought should have got nominated? Look here. I, this is another one that I was... I have pretty much the same overlap. The only one that I, I have two ones just for me though. I put, and this movie's gonna come up more. I put Alexander Skarsgård in The Northman because oh, wow. I feel if you're gonna give Leo for The Revenant, you should give Alexander Skarsgård a nom. They did the same shit, and he's got some intense stuff. But I also have N.T. Ramo Rao Jr. from R.R.R.R. Oh, which, then, one, which one was he? He is the guy who has the romance and has the scene where he's singing, where he's getting tortured. I think both of his performances are good, but he really stood out to me. Oh, man. Because he's bringing the fierceness and the sweetness, which, you know, I love. I love the, the two sides. I you see. That's funny because I think I liked uh, the other guy. Is his name Ram Charan? Uh, who played, yeah, Raju? And I don't know. I thought he was doing so much because he had to play like the double agent. And I don't know. Those guys are both great. I, I'm very excited. I know we weren't going to talk a little bit about music. We might have to spend a little bit of time with it. But when those dudes come in and start singing and dancing, I think people are going who have not seen the movie are going to be flipping like what? This is in a movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I was kind of bummed, like, because Ashley didn't watch it with me, but she'd see some scenes, but she missed like the wedding dancing. I was like, I wish she would have seen that, because oh. like that's just it's just great to watch. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not everybody's jam. I loved that movie so much. That's like everything that I, I, I. It's like me. I'm a I'm an action buff. I love music. I love a little bit of comedy. I love some over the top stuff. Just. Give me a a nice. That's like the burger that Anya Taylor Joy gets at the end. I just want that nice, juicy, greasy burger because I know it's going to just be so tasty. You got Ray Stevenson just hamming it up. Oh, and uh, he's um, what's his name? Isn't he uh one of the Warriors Three or whatever? Yep. Or he's the original ham guy from the quote from uh, Kenneth Branagh. Who, like, I guess Ray Stevenson said, oh, I feel like I'm kind of hammy in this. And he said, I love it. Be hammy. Swim in the river of ham. Or he said, like, <laughs> I love, Kenneth Brenna said, I love to swim in the river of ham. Was this for Thor? Yeah. Oh, that's So I think Ray Stevenson <laughs> took it to heart because he's swimming in the river of ham and I'm loving it. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much good good stuff in there. Even, um, what's her name from... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Allison Duty like shows up. I'm the minute she came on screen, I'm like, I know who that is. And I'm like, Last Crusade, she's the Nazi. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Just wild, wild stuff when you when you think back on everything. Uh, Indiana Jones actors just suddenly making their comeback that mm-hmm. aren't Ford. Even though Harrison Last time that happened was like when it was the old guy in Game of Thrones, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was like the maester. I don't even know what his name is, mm-hmm. but man, so so fun. Um, the only other one I'll mention for should have been nominated, 
Tom Cruise? I think he's doing his thing, but I didn't... If I don't know. I guess that movie didn't do it for me like other people. I think it's a really well-executed movie about things I don't care about, which is like what I told you. Yeah, I yeah. think everything's solid about that movie, so I guess I can't really poke holes in it. But I feel he's just do it. I don't want to give them anything until he gives me something weird, you know. Like, and he won't do that anymore. I know. What we need is another performance like he did in uh, Magnolia, right? Yeah, <laughs> where he's just. I feel like that was the that was such a miss, just mm-hmm. not giving that to him. I I will say maybe we should have talked about giving an Oscar to Jennifer Connelly because it feels like one of the first times I actually could believe a romance that Tom Cruise had on screen for oh. like the because <laughs> like he doesn't do that in movies anymore really because mm-hmm. like it doesn't look right but I believe that chemistry so yeah no they were it was so interesting too because I don't think the actress from Top Gun passed away. And her name is escaping me right now. But when I was like, Jennifer Connelly's in this? Like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to see what she can do. And, man, it was great. I don't know. Uh, how is Tim Robbins the second build person in Top Gun? <laughs> Tim Robbins? Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he's not a prominent role in that. Kelly McGillis, that's what I'm thinking of, the original lead actress. Kilmer also doing some what he can. Mm-hmm. The fact that he actually wasn't saying words and they had to dub him over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that that all worked for me for sure. Yeah, it was great. Too bad we didn't get like a ghost vision of Goose. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted uh, Ironside. He's still around. He, uh, he's doing Hallmark movies, sadly. <laughs> it is. But it's like, if you have Ed Harris, do you need Ironside? No, but why not? <laughs> I don't know. Ed Harris is one of those guys that if like, so you, someone told you he was in the original, you'd believe it. For sure. Okay, so... Getting down to who could win and who should win, I feel like I'll go first on this one. I think the one person who could win is probably Colin Farrell. Yeah, I, I, that's that's what I'm leaning towards. And then the upset would be Austin Butler. Yeah. <sighs> Actually, no. Now I'm not sure. <laughs> it's one of those two for sure. Or they like it splits the definite. Someone else. Who are the other people again? It's Paul, Paul Mescal. Uh, and then Bill Nye, and then Brendan Fraser. I think Brent, mm. I think it's Fraser's award to win. Okay, but I, I, I can believe it. Just because that happens a lot when a movie is nominated for one thing and nothing else. A lot of the times, I feel like they get that award. Yeah, kind of like Renee Zellweger and was that Judy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I again, I know there's issues with the movie. I think it's a great. It's it's it is too bad that that's the one that they want to give for Brendan Fraser, but it's also sort of like he's an all time good guy who went through a really terrible time standing up for himself and for others mm-hmm. in, in a time when people were being taken advantage of, and it's like it's I think there's going to be some goodwill where people are like we want you to feel welcome back, like you right. know, and this is this is our way of saying sorry that we didn't back you up, but. Honestly, yeah, I think Butler or Farrell could be in there. It's mm-hmm. just, but it does feel like Brandon Fraser. Let's talk best actress then to round out the performance. Mm-hmm. So our nominees for best actress are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, which was a surprise. <laughs> a con. Uh-huh. Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. 
and Ana de Armas for Blonde. So what do you think of these performances, Fred? Um, I Well, there's two great ones and the others I don't think I even saw. Uh, I think this is... I think this will be the year for Kate Blanchett again, but I think it is a very good chance, though. There's a lot of goodwill for everything everywhere all at once right now. So I think Tar was the performance of the year for the, the female category, but like I said... There's a lot of steam right now for everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, there is. And I'm, I don't think it's a bad thing either because, again, we talked about Michelle Yeoh. She's doing, I, I think you literally could count 30 roles that she's playing in that movie. And I don't know how you can. <laughs> the only way you could potentially top that is by having somebody like Kate Blanchett who's coming with this like powerhouse, just larger than life type personality that doesn't feel mm-hmm. larger than life like to her restraint to not ham up that role is is incredible definitely that was a movie like i was watching it and because there's so much musical theory stuff i was just like i don't really know what they're talking about right now but i am captivated by right. what's going on and then every once in a while i'd get something like when they were talking about like uh beethoven's fifth starting on the up note or the down note i was like i get what they're talking about a little bit <laughs> but then i think it became a movie that i'm very excited to revisit in the last 15 minutes of it. yeah trying to maybe dissect a little bit what was going on i've heard some very interesting theories about that movie which we could dive into in a little bit but Maybe hold that off for, like, the director picture you're thinking? Okay, yeah, I'm down so. for that. To kind of maybe talk about some of the visions and how they played out that movie, because there's actually a really interesting parallel to that in After Sun that I want to talk about right. um, in terms of how they're telling the story. And weirdly, EO, <laughs> <laughs> which, again, I'm very glad I got to catch that one because I can't wait to share a little bit about some of the international features this year. But... um. Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, did you like her performance? I did, and I at first I thought I was like, is this kind of big? But then I've seen like some like clips of Spielberg's mom. Like uh, I think it was at the Schindler's List when he won for that. Mm-hmm. There, uh, his parents are in the audience, and if you just see her, and it's just her getting excited about her son winning. It's all there, like the vibe, the manicness, like it's very crazy. Uh, I thought the performance was good. Um, for best actress, I did have two. I want to add some young blood sure. into the conversation. I'm gonna probably butcher this name. Uh, Thuza Mabedu for the Woman King. She was the young lead in that. I thought she was amazing. Yes. And I have Amber Mindhunter for Prey. Ooh. I think that performance, it's her and a, and a dog, not a CG. There's a real dog in that one. But still, like that's her acting partner for most of the movie, and she is amazing. She is great. Um, man, I recognized her from, I watched the, the show Legion, which was oh, okay. uh, same creator as Noah Hawley. Yeah, and yeah, it was... She played like an alternate personality of like this like old white guy, which is very mm-hmm. weird. But, um, but she was just very magnetic on the screen. She was like kind of doing her action thing, very similar to this movie. And then when I saw I, she was in this, I'm like, okay, I'm very curious. And I mean, there's a lot of young rising stars this year, and they're just, and it's fun to see someone like her come in 
where maybe she won't necessarily be nominated anytime soon, but certainly kind of making her mark is like, here, here's like another action star is Mia Jovovic starting to get <laughs> up mm-hmm. there in age. And I'm not suggesting that this that this performance would have been nominated if it got this, but I think the movie also didn't benefit. It, it was it sucked that it got dropped on Hulu. Yeah. Because we were like, we're still in the throes Baffling. of the pandemic, but this was, we were going to the movies at this time. Yeah. People could have gone out and seen it. I think people would have gone out and seen that. I would they, see this in theaters if they did a re-release, like, within a month. You know, like, if they were like, oh, we're showing it, I'd be like, I'm there because I want to see it on a big screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um the other two I'll throw out there, also from The Woman King, Viola Davis, who was definitely awesome great. In it. I mean, it, it's almost like a, a, it's getting to like Meryl Streep territory, too, where it's like every time she's in a movie, you're just like, oh, she's just doing her thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, of course, this is a nomination worthy performance. Like, it's just, she's just great. And I mean, it, I, I feel like it's, it's undersold how good The Woman King is and how sad I was that that didn't get like, anything mm-hmm. other than. Did it even get a nomination? I I honestly have to check, even though I've been looking at these for <laughs> a month already. But it, it's it's criminal because it felt like this movie had a lot of stuff that the Oscars likes and weirdly just didn't give it any recognition. Nope. And uh, I think it'll get some steam now that it's on uh, Netflix. But I did like uh, Gina Prince Lifeweight, I think is her name. Uh, I did like her last movie that was just put on Netflix with Charlie Theron, where they were like the immortal uh, action people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought that was pretty good. I want to go back and watch Love and Basketball now, because I've heard that's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's all, not all the lights, but uh, Beyond the Lights or something, I remember being a pretty big hit. Yes. Yeah, I think that was also very good. So she's on her way. I think it was great to see... That at least gets some good word of mouth outside of, you know, mm-hmm. not really getting nominated outside of BAFTAs, which <laughs> how the British found that instead of us. So <laughs> have to try and uh, reconcile that. But anyway, talking about the other performances, I think we talked about it earlier. Janelle Monet in Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. Again, for a very similar reason that we like Michelle Yeoh for this category is she's doing multiple iterations and I won't give it away because I think it'd be fun if anyone hasn't seen it yet but mm-hmm. she's giving a couple different types of performances in this and it's it's very good um, and I think she just I don't know it was just another weird it was it was weird how Glass Onion got overlooked and I feel like it was weird that after the fact I felt like there was so much goodwill and so many great reviews going into it then all of a sudden people were just like getting all this lashback because they're like this movie's too woke it's like but is it though I'm like, I feel like this was just a takedown of Elon Musk, and like, is that offending anybody? <laughs> not me, man. No, not me either. I liked it a lot, and that's about where I was with it. Yeah, I think I like Knives Out maybe better, but I definitely like Knives Out better. Yeah, but I still thought I'll watch another Benoit mm. Blanc movie every year if they make keep making them. I, I want. I want those to keep happening, and, you know, I'm very excited for the haunting of whatever it's called, the next uh, <laughs> Poirot So Yeah, this one we're going to find out how he got his accent. <laughs> <laughs> the whole origin for his mustache was so unnecessary. They, 
they released the cast and I'm just waiting for the news to break on someone. Someone's getting canceled in that cast. That's how all these movies have been. <laughs> and then he's going to have them in a room and be like, I don't like you. I don't, I don't like, like what you do. <laughs> and this is what you got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> you got murdered. Who are your picks, though, for who could win this and who will win this? Like I said, we're talking best. We're doing best actress. It's... I think it's dead split for me right now. It's I feel Kate Blanchett has so much uh so much equipment right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hardware. That is kind of a shame, but also you watch Tar and you're like, damn. <laughs> it's one of the again, it's like a Meryl Streep type thing. Right? right. Where it's like you have done plenty, you've gotten plenty, but oh, it's like who's better <laughs> than you? But I mean it's Yo, I think is the only one that could win. And Blanchett's the one who probably will just because that's mm-hmm. the way they roll. And then that will be, that would be, if I had to predict an upset for the night, I would say it would be probably Michelle Yeoh over Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, and this will spoil a little bit of the future, I will say I also could see it going to Kate Blanchett and then everything, everywhere all at once sweeping the bigger, no, I don't want to say bigger because, you know, a movie's made by everyone, but like mm-hmm. the director picture, like I could see that move. Yeah, for sure. So we've talked about a lot of performances so far, Fred, but we've been talking around some of the movies and I feel like now is the perfect time for us to jump into our feature presentations. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so just to give us a little soft intro to, I'm going to talk a little about documentaries. Because you said you did not see any. I right? did not catch any of the nominated documentaries. I don't know if I saw any documentaries this year. I was actually thinking about the same thing. And I've only seen a couple so far of the ones that are nominated and the features that were nominated are all that breathes fire of love, all the beauty and bloodshed, a house made of splinters and Navalny. And I saw all that breathes in fire of love. And I kind of, my initial thought without seeing the other three so far, I think I kind of liked last year's documentary crop a little bit more so far. Um, because there was just some very, I thought very educational ones. They had like the Summer of Souls that was like, oh yeah, that was such a educational thing. Like Harlem had its own like Woodstock basically, and it was a, such a cool movie to watch. Whereas like these have been cool this year, but I just they lack kind of that the punch at least so far. Mm-hmm. All that breathes is very interesting because it's uh, it's about like guys who like help rescue birds that are like falling out of the sky in India. If you own HBO Max, you know this movie. Because <laughs> yeah. like they are just pushing it, but I guess because it's nominated. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And Navalny is also on there and I have not caught that yet, but I understand that's about the uh, the man who is like, I think he was like a Russian official that was poisoned. Do you remember this story? No. So I think it, basically the, the whole theory, and I don't even think it's a theory anymore, I think it's proven that he was poisoned by like the KGB on like Putin's order. Oh, jeez. Because he was going to out. Or he was just kind of saying stuff that was unpopular to the Russian government. So that story is all about him, which sounds interesting. All the Beauty and Bloodshed is the other movie that is about um, in, into the work, a life and work of a renowned photographer and activist named Nan Golden. I don't know if you're familiar with that name. Nope. I'm not either, so interested to check that out. But House Made of Splinters is about war-torn Ukraine. 
and it focuses on kids who were rescued from homes where parents were too drunk to take care of them, which is extremely sad. And I feel like that's probably going to win because... Prevalent. <laughs> I would say if Hollywood is good for one thing, they love making a political message. And mm-hmm. that kind of feels something pertinent to them. So would love to hear people's thoughts on some of the documentaries since we have not had a chance to really get through. A couple of them just became available. So definitely curious about those. But I'd say if I, that's my prediction for what will win is... <laughs> Splinters. I will only hazard that. I've just heard all the beauty and the bloodshed. Like I've seen that pop up a lot on film Twitter, and a lot of people are talking about that. So that has some heat as well. It's got some good stuff to it. I mean, I would love to learn about. It sounds like a very interesting story. I mean, Fire of, of Love was very interesting too, but it also is like kind of just like here are some people who chased volcanoes, which is a <laughs> cool topic. Kind of felt like I was watching Bill Nye sometimes, but. <laughs> It's still fun. Um, but yeah, so definitely some fun ones there. But yeah, I guess maybe the two that have not been available to watch yet are might be the ones that <laughs> end up winning. Mm-hmm. So that gets us to animated movies, Fred. Oh, I like an animated movie. Our nominees for the best animated feature film are Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. That was the. I thought that was this year. Wow. I know the Sea Beast, Turning Red, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not the Disney one. <laughs> Pinocchio, Pinocchio, holy smokeyo! <laughs> and Marcel the Shell with shoes on. What were your thoughts on some of these animated? Which ones have you seen? I've seen Turning Red. I've seen GDT's Pinocchio. Mm. And what were the other ones other than Marcel the Shovel Shoes on? That's the one I have not seen, but I'm very excited to watch. The Sea Beast and Puss in Boots. No, I have not seen those. I hear good things about both. Sea Beast is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But Puss in Boots is like in theaters now, right? So it must have been dropped. Maybe it had like a limited release, so that's why it's part of 2022. I think that might be right, because it's given a credit to 2022. But yeah, it's very interesting. And I've heard it's very good, which is surprising because I'm like, aren't we three spinoffs removed from Shrek already? Like, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's because, I mean, Guillermo del Toro, I think, has a hand in the Puss in Boots movies. Oh, does he? Yeah. So I've heard those are good. I just never had quite the interest to check them out. Yeah. Or like... It just seems like they, they kind of weren't getting the, the renown until this one, where, I mean, it obviously got a Best Animated Picture nomination. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I have to, boy, <laughs> I don't know how to talk about that movie without giving away too much about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, loved, I loved all this animated crop, to be honest. I, I thought the Sea Beast was fun. Because it was just kind of doing the the same thing that a lot of those like DreamWorks studios, or this was actually a Netflix studio, but like you know they just sort of like come up with like an animated movie that's computer animated that's almost doing it better than Disney is. Oh yeah, and it's just like because I think they're just more of a labor of love than Disney, where it kind of feels like they're put into the machine a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. they don't have to fit like the into the pegs. Yeah, 
But I mean, even turning red was sort of like an unexpected surprise mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I love turning red. I am. I wouldn't mind if that one. I would lean more towards GDT's Pinocchio because that movie is beautiful. Yeah, and like very intense, has a lot to say. Mm-hmm. And I like I messaged you guys. I was like, it's giving me cabaret vibes because <laughs> like it's during war and you have Pinocchio on stage like doing it for like. He's performing for fascists, isn't he? It's like yeah. Italian War One fascists. So that's why I was like, I'm getting cabaret vibes. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, it does have that feel. And it has one of my favorite people who talk like this is Christoph Waltz. Oh, God, yeah. He's the circus. <laughs> yeah. Runner, yeah. And his look is amazing. I know. he. It's a very... It feels so much like the, the Nightmare Before Christmas in terms of the animation. I was almost surprised that, like, Wendell and Wild was that studio and not. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's why I wanted to ask you about Wendell and Wild because I know you watched that. And was that one you thought might have got left out? It's hard because that movie is like a visual feast, but it has so much going on and it's so messy. I really recommend it because, I mean, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And. It's key and peel, like with more of the peel mind mixed with like that Henry Selleck style and like that kind of darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's a good fit. Um, it's also got a pretty diverse cast, too, mm. I think. And it has a trans character in it, which is pre- that's pretty big for like an anime movie. That's like I think it's PG-13, but still like. That's usually not something you see in the animation section. It's a big step forward for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what I liked about a lot of these anime. Even Turning Red also kind of had the mm-hmm. same feel of like everything everywhere all at once where it's giving a lot of representation to an underserved demographic. Yes. And even though there's like big differences between the two, I'm kind of wondering if that might be a knock for Turning Red to win because it has kind of a sim- has similar themes everywhere all at once. I have a hard time believing the Oscars are going to give Ever All Wants All These Awards and Turning Red. Yeah, right. And not that it doesn't deserve it. I just think they're not going to do that. No, but also you look at the way that a couple of these other movies were made. Like Pinocchio, you can tell, again, was a labor of love. Like, it's just the stop animation, how brilliantly put together all that is. And it's, I mean, it's obviously a familiar story, although... I didn't recognize any piece of it outside of him getting stuck in the whale, right? Like mm. that's pretty much all. Oh, I mean, in the circus too, but I mean, he didn't turn into a donkey in this one. I think uh, David Bradley, I think his name is yeah. Filch, is like for how how many how old he is is still like giving great like vocal performances. He was very very good in that. I did want to throw out a couple other recommendations though, or a couple other should have beens. So Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers came Ooh, out this year. I wanted to throw that in there because you know I that movie I loved, but I didn't have the guts. I thought that was a very good movie. I was kind of surprised it didn't get nominated. It was very fun. Yeah, and I have trouble telling people to watch. Like they won't watch it. Like people are like, "What Chip and really? Dale's? And I'm like, "No, you don't understand this movie." Especially like I feel a lot of people of our age. And hey, we've talked about it on the podcast. Love that era Disney TV, Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Say no more. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's a very real possibility. But this felt like a spiritual successor to 
Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I love that movie. And I'm, I was just like, this felt like they were doing so much different types of animation in here that it was surprising they didn't give it. But I guess I get it. I mean, the other, like I said, I have no complaints with any of the animated. I would have maybe given that a nod over like the Sea Beast, which I, I liked. I didn't love the Sea Beast because the other movies this year have been very good. Yeah. And I know I said this about Prey. I would have loved to have seen Pinocchio in theaters. I would have loved to have seen Turning Red in theaters. Yep. And I would have definitely loved to have seen Rescue Rangers. Although, because it didn't have a lot of press and people talking about it, I wonder if I would have seen it. Because I don't think I would have known. Because based on the marketing I saw, well, at least the first trailer, I didn't get the vibe of what they were going for. I think they had a second trailer that had more. Like, it had the Seth Rogen and the bad CG and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but the one movie I'll talk about with you here, Fred, is Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which is one I did get to see in the theater. That, I I think that might be my favorite of the crop. I liked Pinocchio a lot. Marcel the Shell had a ton of heart and literally laugh out loud moments. Did you have any relationship to the Adult Swim show? No. Because that's what turned me off because like I don't really dig that style of comedy and I don't know what Marcella Shell is like. I'm talking about like those shorts at a time like it was like that orally stories or like they had like little oral like moral yeah. oral. That was it. All that stuff, Aqua Team Hunger Force, and Marcel the Shell was like a short amongst all that stuff. So I kinda lumped it in with like that adult swim humor. And it's not anything like that. Okay, good. So no, it's not like the weird like stoner animation type stuff. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is No, I mean it's Jenny Slate, she's the voice of Marcel the Shell. And it's literally just like a anthropomorphic shell that lives in a house and is basically kind of like, it's almost like a fake documentary of like asking Marcel about like its life and it's like a real person. So it's in a way sort of like Chip and Dale and <laughs> like where it's a mix of real people and animation and you see just like, Marcel kind of like go through his life and you see him like kind of like working around this house and like trying to realize like his family's lost and all this. And it's very, very heartwarming. Like he lives with his grandma and Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. Good year for because she's in um, the Julia HBO show, which I really recommend. If you just want like if you like Ted Lasso and you think you would like a show about Julia Child with that vibe, just yeah. like good hearted, fun comedy. With two Frasier stars, David Hyde Pierce and B.B. Newworth oh, acting wow. together. Uh, Isabella Rossellini plays the French cook who Julia will call and, like, had a relationship who lived in France. That's who she would go and stay with oh, and, like, get fun. her recipes. And having Isabella Rossellini play that character. But from the trailers I saw of Marcel the show, I heard her voice. And I recognized that voice because I know it also from the Merlin TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Some something we'll cover one day, but I feel we gotta save it when we're really hard up. Yeah, but I love that series. <laughs> that is that is fun. Uh, she is, and she's very good in it. She's another good kind of David Bradley esque vocal performance. So, I would think Marcel the Shell could win. It's got heat. It's got heat, and it it really is just like. I was surprised. Like I was on the verge of tears a couple times in that movie. It's it's very it's kind of like heart just heartwarming, sad and all that. But um, but I mean, Pinocchio is. It feels like it's got the 
momentum. Right? Yeah, because Turning Red doesn't have a lot of Oscar talk. It had a lot of great steam and reviews, yeah. and it was huge at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of drifted off, which is crazy that everywhere, everything everywhere all at once has not, because you and I saw that movie in like January. Yeah. And that's usually hard for a movie to carry that favor all the way until the end of the year. Yeah. You've got movies coming out in November, December. I, I, I'm going to, we'll talk a little about everything all at once, but my initial reaction to that movie is nowhere near where I am now. And I, I I admit I was a little off base when I was Mm. trying to evaluate, but, um, yeah, Turning Red will be an interesting one to see, but I do feel like Pinocchio's got momentum. Turning Red, though, I don't want to out anybody, but I do know somebody who that brought them to tears because they related very closely to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that I feel everywhere all at once was, I can't, I don't know if I'd say lacking. It's just I don't have the cultural like experience of the people in that stories, and I heard that spoke to so many people who had similar experiences and especially filmmakers like talking about like being so seen in that movie and i was almost like just a little bit but like i think turning red has that going too like people are seeing themselves in these films which they weren't in the past you know i mean i think that's definitely an ongoing theme is and it's maybe just something that's sort of in the zeitgeist right now but i feel like it's the relationships between parents and their children that has been such a prevalent thing because so many people can relate to it mm-hmm. in one way or another. Either you had a good relationship or not good or whatever your your case was growing up. You know, it's just there's all these different situations. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be it's a fun group of animated. I would recommend every single one of those movies. It's it's very good. Best international film is our next category. This is a little controversial, I feel like, because I feel like the two biggest or most talked about international films of the year didn't get nominated. (laughs) And it was kind of weird to me because the ones that were nominated are All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, The Quiet Girl, and EO. And I've only seen two of those so far. Because All Quiet on the Western Front got also nominated for Best Picture. Kind of felt like it snuck up a little bit. Do you get that impression? Uh, yes, and I've, I've seen people being more positive on it, but no one was really buzzy about it. It kind of seemed like it got nominated, and everyone was like, oh, well, I guess I'm watching All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> like yeah. That was kind of more the vibe, but it does have some more heat to it. Uh, the movie that's got like the most buzz but not necessarily like good or bad just people are talking about more is eo which you said you saw and i'll just share this about eo (laughs) whatever you think that movie is it is not (laughs) it it looks like what you kind of imagine being the long version of banshees of an with the donkey but in fact it's kind of a trip because it's being told completely from the donkey's perspective And therefore, you get the dream sequences of the donkey dreaming. And you get to see these really crazy interactions with people. And you realize the world is a very terrible place (laughs) for even a donkey to be traveling around. It is trippy. It is weird. It is crazy as hell. There is a whole subplot about EO finding an Italian drifter who goes back and 
because he left because he didn't want to have a relationship with his stepmother. <laughs> it's, just, it's like that type of thing is the culmination of like, wait, what did you just say? Why are we spending time with these characters? I was hoping it was going to be like a backdoor prequel to The Godfather Part 2 and it was like the donkey <laughs> that Corleone snuck out. Oh my God. <laughs> that would been pretty cool though. It would be kind of fun. So... EO is, it's worth watching, but yeah, just, you got to prepare for not, no expectations. And that's on the Criterion streaming Yes, the Criterion channel. Yes, for all you highfalutin people. And for your non-highfalutin people, last I checked, there's a trial for like at least a week, and that's my plan for watching EO, is to get that trial and get in some other stuff. Because I know there's interesting stuff on there. I just can't have all these streaming things. I know. There's just too many out there. I just got Paramount to watch uh, Babylon. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I figured I'd get in some 1923 which I'll update and say kind of rules. Yeah. <laughs> like all these shows kind of rolling and I don't like it. I don't know why. I'm like, no one's talking about them. But I will say there's the part in Fablemans with, is it John Houston is the director? Yeah. That whole like having the horizon either in all of the shot or like minimally of the shot is how Yellowstone, like, I feel they have that written on the wall somewhere. And maybe, like, I'm just noticing it now because ever, I think anyone coming out of Failman's is watching movies looking for that kind of shot comp- composition. But it's just funny. I'm watching Yellowstone. I'm like, yep, every shot, it's the whole sky or the whole ground. We obviously missed the best supporting actor because David Lynch in that one, like, two minute scene is just outstanding. <laughs> You see, there's the horizon at the top of the photo. Then there's the horizon at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Now get the fuck out of my office. Get the fuck out of here, (laughs) Stevie. Hey, wait, come back. I got to talk to you. (laughs) Light my cigar. (laughs) It's a great Lynch. (laughs) I love doing David Lynch. It's maybe my favorite. But outside of the nominees, I really want to see The Quiet Girl. A couple of these also, same issue with the documentaries, were not available. So I could not quite get to them. I was trying to find them in theaters. And very difficult this year for those. But the two I did see, (laughs) I was super excited about. (laughs) Um, I'll just throw them out here. I mean, RR we talked about already. Which, so India nominated a completely different movie. And then uh, Decision to Leave. (laughs) Decision to leave, yeah, which I have not seen yet. You saw? I did see it. Man. You need to see it again? Yeah. That's what everyone says. And, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I have to watch it twice? Like, I want to see it, but that's always mine. Yeah. But, yeah, Decision to Leave, it's a very wild movie. It's a classic kind of, like, not a murder mystery because you, well, it is. You kind of don't know what's going on. And then you get a clear picture of what's going on. And then... You're still just like, wait, and is what I'm seeing real? Like, is this true? And this is Park Chan Wook, who did Old Boy? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so this was his newest effort. And it was a fascinating movie. Very interesting to watch. And I was, like, convinced. I was like, this is a slam dunk. This might even win Best International <laughs> Feature Film. To come and find, yeah, that didn't even get chosen. Yeah, so I think it's, um, it's definitely a... Uh, a different type of movie than what a lot of these other ones have been so far. Cause I think it's definitely playing off sort of that like film noir type trope that I don't feel like a lot of modern, even American movies dabble in a whole lot. And it's so fun when you do see something like memento come through and you're like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I love this genre. 
Because it's just, it kind of felt like it recaptured that a little bit. Something that Glass Onion dabbled in, but it's more of like that fun kind of like poker face thing. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely recommend Decision to Leave, and I would have nominated it and probably even given it the win. Is that on Criterion? It's on something. It's it's on Mubi. Mubi, which, yeah, that's another one. Another trial I need to. Yeah. <laughs> Worth the trial to go watch. But, yeah, so definitely interesting. And I think we've talked a little about RR and... I mean, I was even pulling for RR to get Best Picture, but I thought for sure Slam Dunk to be international feature. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the deal. Like, I thought based on everyone's, you know, talking about it, I was ready for it because I think you pointed out something. And the key thing with these categories, documentary international, it's hard to get access to these films. Yes. So it's like, yeah, I want the one movie that I saw that would make sense to be nominated. Yeah. Especially since they're going to perform the song at the Oscars and I don't know. I mean, that's one of those where it's sort of like either like effects you could have given that movie a nomination. You could have given it for probably well, if we did get best song. Well, I mean, it's going to get nominated for that. I hope that wins because <laughs> it's great. There's a great year for songs, though, too. I know we don't want to spend too much time on music, but mm-hmm. you got like Rihanna's in there. You got Lady Gaga from Top Gun. You've got I'll, I'll pull that up quick while we're talking, but it's definitely one of those years where you're sort of like paying a little more attention to some of the music than you normally do. Mm-hmm. It would be remiss if we don't mention them. Our guy, Michael Giacchino. Did not get best original score. That's a tough, tough, tough day. I did see Banshees, though, which was a score that really stood out to me. Got a nom. Yes. And it was great. Mm -hmm, Because it has, like, big sweeping music. And then it has this, like, suspense, like, what's going to happen music. And it goes back and forth. Yeah. And it really does kind of have that feel of, like... Again, kind of like a stage play. I, I think you really kind of see Martin McDonough's, like, you know, his wheelhouse sort of mm-hmm. come through with that, right? Yeah, it feels like a stage play, and then you get, like, these gorgeous shots of Ireland, too. It's, like, a good mix of that, like, small film, beautiful, beautiful vistas, misty yeah. vistas. Misty vistas, whiskey <laughs> misters. <laughs> I did a little bit of that last night. Yeah. Oh, whiskey misters, huh? We're going to Mr. Whiskers. Improv. Yeah. <laughs> So the um, the best original songs. I'm just gonna do this real quick because I just want to talk shortly about it. So not to not to, which is best original song from RRR. This is a life, which is David Byrne um, of the Talking Heads fame. That's everything, everywhere, all at once, right? Yes, indeed. We have "Lift Me Up" by Rihanna, which was part of Black Panther: Wakanda. "Hold My Hand," Lady Gaga which was for Top Gun Maverick. Then we have Applause by Diane Warren, which was for the movie... Hmm. Till? Yes. Or no. From Tell It Like a Woman? Yeah, from the movie Tell It Like a Woman. Oh. I don't even know what that movie is. I don't either. <laughs> Apparently it must be pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we'll play a, play a little... <laughs> a sample of it. You're just going to play Shamble. <laughs> I wish I had more of a voice today. Um, <laughs> but 
I think in that category, I would love to see Natu Natu pull it up, but they're going up against some heavy hitters. I think it might be the... It's hard because I don't think it's going to go to Gaga because she won so recently. That's true. I think that there's a chance Angela Bassett won't get the nomination, but the song for Wakanda Forever could get... I could see that winning. Yeah, definitely. Man, I wanted that Batman score. Dum bum ba da dum da da dum dum dum. So Fred, I think then coming off of the music there, we're gonna face the music here with our best director and best picture nominees. So I kind of want to do this maybe one in hand in hand because that way we can really talk about the best and brightest movies of the year and then who did the best job directing them. So I get the question often from people who are interested in the Oscars. How is it one person can win best director but then not win best picture? Because when the best directed film be the best picture? Mm, I don't know. Because I just think of... I just... To me, I think it's whatever movie is doing that, like, something more interesting. Or I just feel like you feel the auteur really present in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I would give Fableman's best director. I, I, I don't know. But I could see that be an example of how, like, someone like, oh, that's very much the Spielberg vibe. Although there was only like a few moments where I really got those Spielberg warm moments. It was to me a very different movie. A movie I liked though. A very personal movie. 100%. Mm -hmm. Which did you know what it was about? (laughs) Wait, we're going in? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I knew it was kind of like his life story, (laughs) but did you know like the thing with his parents and his, the friend, the Seth Rogen. Oh, no, I didn't know the whole backstory. Me no. either. And it was funny. There's like a scene very early on where they're just at a dinner table. And I just looked at Ashley. I was like, Seth Rogen, uh, cucking Paul Dano here. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, that's what this movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what you can tell how that can shape somebody. I mean, you understand Spielberg a little bit better after the movie. I'm also kind of like, I feel like he just is sort of a movie nerd who had a really weird childhood. And like, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something that left unsaid in that regard of like, I feel like we're supposed to understand these nuances about him, but really it just feels like, Oh, life kind of passed him by while he was just kind of busy chasing down this dream of becoming the goat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like that feeling of like, you look back at your life when you were younger and you realize, Oh, that was going on. You know, like I wasn't, I was in my own space doing my own thing. I didn't really take a step back to see the big picture. Right. So I just wanted to go through the best director nominees as we're talking about this. Cause we talked about the best picture nominees up top, but it is Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans. Uh, the Dans for Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Ruben Ostland for A Triangle of Sadness. Todd Field for Tar. And then Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin. You know, obviously a very diverse category. <laughs> a good example, I just want to say real quick, uh, put a pin in what I was talking about with like the directing and best picture. I feel I wouldn't give West Side Story best picture. 
I could see giving it the nomination for directing because it was directed the shit out of, you know. Yeah. And I feel that with Everywhere All at Once. I feel that with Banshee's Vinishirin. I could give you that. I could give you that because I think those movies definitely have something of a handle. But yeah, the way that I would even pick up off of what you're saying, then yeah, it's like you have to look at every component that's being nominated, right? The performances, the way the cinematography, which we didn't really talk about that or screenplay. But again, some things that would would really comprise, like, do you kind of feel the story in the script? Because like Bardo, I watched, that was another international feature that didn't get nominated. Full title, please. <sighs> what is it? Bardo <laughs> or the Birdman of your dreams? <laughs> <laughs> Um. What? Yeah. What is the full title? It's like Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths, and boy, is that movie something! <laughs> <laughs> Again, a movie that I'm like, this is a masterclass in cinematography. You can see the director had full control. It don't make a lick of sense. <laughs> it is weird as hell, and I mean, it's a, clearly another story that kind of felt kind of personal, but. Ultimately, I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how I feel. That's what I. That's what I heard from most people. <laughs> yes, it's it's one that I would not say you need to chase down if we're talking about international features mm-hmm. again. But as far as the, the directors there, though, I mean, if you want to talk about directing, where it's like, okay, who had the best kind of handle on the movie and put together a piece that looks like, ah, this is really well orchestrated the tar of it all if mm-hmm. you will like tar is a movie i think he directed the shit out of <laughs> he did i don't know that i loved tar though like i mean i thought it was very good probably one of the top 10 movies of the year but not top one mm-hmm. <laughs> um i definitely feel like that one would definitely be one i throw in there i would throw a banshee in this sharon i think it's or in a sharon mm-hmm. however you want to say it I don't know, though. I could definitely see everything everywhere all at once getting the Dan's their nomination because mm-hmm. that's a movie that I think hit on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And then I'll play like the, the Oscar politics. I could also see them just giving it to Spielberg since this is his personal movie and then giving them the best picture or flipped around, give them all the awards but best picture. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see So that. I feel it definitely gets tricky when it gets the directing. Yeah, it is a bit. Do you want to talk a little about some of the movies that were nominated that uh, we haven't really discussed yet? Because Triangle of Sadness, I know you have not seen, right? No. So, yeah, so what were the one and a half that... Well, today I threw on uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, and I watched about 35 to 40 minutes of it, and I said... Yeah, this is just pretty much what I assumed it was going to be. <laughs> and I turn it off and I put Banshee's of Inishiran on and I was just like slapping my knee having a good time. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Because I watched it with uh, my fiance, Jasmine, and she also had a very f- similar comment. She We got about 45 minutes in and she goes, I am so bored. <laughs> like This is the exactly the war movie I thought it was going to be. I like a good war movie now and again. I didn't love All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. I thought I had an interesting score. Yes. I almost had like these electric guitar, like distorted, like. And it did get nominated for best score. Yeah. And I think that's an award I can get behind based off the little I saw. I thought I had a banging score. Super interesting score. 
I still would have loved to see the Batman get in there. No, I mean, yeah, <laughs> obvious, obviously, obviously. But um, no, I I agree though. I look, All Quiet on the Western Front is going to win Best International Feature, which is, I think, ex- that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting to see a story told finally from the German perspective in that regard. I'm also not going to be like, this is the best movie ever. I mean, again, I think 1917 was the better version of that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, at least, like, it was kinetic and, like, interesting, like, visually. I know a lot of... I Some people don't like that movie, and it's, like, a movie, like, I'm not going to revisit probably, yeah. like, for a long, long time. But I do like that it's, like, and we're going to go a little while, and we're going to meet this British actor. Cool, 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 cool. And we're going to meet this guy from Sherlock. Oh, awesome, <laughs> awesome. And then, oh, wait, at the end, oh, we're going to meet another guy from Sherlock. Cool, cool. <laughs> I just love that it was, like, going from place to place and, like, oh, Mark Strong's going to do a little something here. <laughs> yeah, right. We just got to get that Mark Strong in there. Oh, I um, love Mark Strong. He's great. I even kind of love him in... uh the Kingsman, the second one too, when he's sinking country roads. Yeah, he's he's good in the second one. I kind of yeah. like Kingsman's too. That's a messy ass movie. It is. Um, Triangle of Sadness. I'll say this for it. I get what he's doing. I didn't. Another movie where I got to the end and I'm like, I was more entertained by that than All Quiet. There's some gross moments in that, but are poignant because they're trying to make a commentary on high society and kind of like. It's like they're they're no better than anybody else, but in its chase of like hierarchical society and trying to make this bitter kind of like critical commentary on that, I felt like it kind of lost the plot a little bit and it lost the threads of the story. It's a movie that is not directed the shit out of. It just has some very fun moments with it's two and a half hours long, and not enough Woody Harrelson. I'll just say <laughs> that you think could have used a little more me in that film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have just loved to see him just kind of like going, don't do it like honey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to talk through my teeth a little when I'm doing a Woody. Woody yeah, that's Harris. right. That's right. John, I can't do it. It's starting to sound a little too, uh, yeah, like John Lennon. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I thought it was fine. <sighs> Another movie. I'm just like, whatever. I'm going to talk about Top Gun though. Cause I did like that movie. I don't love everything. It's, behind but for what it was and for how it got made and i think how it got made is almost infinitely more fascinating than the movie itself because those guys are up in the planes flying them it is like the moment i remember most from that movie is not even in the movie i was in the theater watching this and there's a guy next to me and i'm trying to do this so i don't lose the microphone but in the last sequence when they're doing like the whole like trench run or whatever, uh-huh. this dude literally leaned forward in his seat, hands on his knees, staring at the screen. And I'm like, this guy's not even being ironic. He's literally on the edge of his seat watching this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how I know I'm watching a great action movie. Mm-hmm. When somebody is like repositioning themselves to brace themselves for the end. Like it was just, it was a marvel. That, that, a, uh, but stunts should be an award. Definitely. And I would agree. That was a movie that even though I didn't, like, it wasn't necessary for me, was directed the shit out of. Yes. Also could have gotten best song for Great Balls of Fire. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but did they ever do, like, a slow version in the movie? I only saw it the one time and I was at the house. But I just would love it if they did, like, uh, Great Balls of Fire. 
You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Yeah, in a different <laughs> world, that was like the trailer, like the very slowed down version of that. Yeah. Oh, what a thrill. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. It's also one of those sequels where the beginning starts out a lot like the first movie where I had to make sure I didn't just put on the first movie. Like it has the same font and like score going. Oh, my God. When I was in the theater, I'm like, did we come into the right showing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the same opening of the first one. Um, Avatar. We didn't really talk at all. It's such a weird Weird year for Avatar too. Mm-hmm. Cause, what are your thoughts on the movie? Well, I'll I'll say when the first one came out, I was very much like, uh, "This is just Fern Gull is just Pocahontas." Like I was like that guy. I was very down on it. I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it at home. I was like, "Yes, this is very fine. It's like a seven. And I heard everyone loved seeing the first one in theaters. Like, that was the way to do it. And so I went and saw the second one, like, you know, big screen, 3D glasses. And I had the time of my life. <laughs> I had a great time. It was cheesy as hell. Uh, a lot of the stuff, like, I think the Jake Sully character is actually kind of, like, good in this. And yeah, he kind right. of sucks in the first one. I like that he's, like... A marine bro, <laughs> like, but it's like they play it just like that. He's not something else. And the last hour of that movie, you're just like, oh, just on this ride. Yeah, it is just, it's exactly everything you expect from James Cameron, right? Like, you kind of are like, why is this existing? Why am I watching this? Why is this entertaining? Oh my God, I'm loving this. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and you're just like, you're in the ride. It's so weird because I felt like the first one, even though it did get more, I think, criticisms about it, I think everyone thought it was going to win Best Picture because of what it was doing. And then this year, I feel like, oh, Avatar 2 is nominated because obviously, like, it's, yeah. it is the the culmination of everything that you need in a movie. And also, I feel like it has no chance of winning. <laughs> yeah, no, and, like, it kind of, like, it's doing what it was supposed to do. It's making a shit ton of money. It's blowing Marvel out of the water. But it also seems just not talked about, and I feel it doesn't really need to be talked about in this space. But I will say this was a fucking blockbuster movie that was awesome. He's If you're a James Cameron fan, he's really digging into his like uh, backlog. Like If you're a Titanic fan, there's a lot of Titanic in Way of Water. Not just because there's water, but like there's scenes. There's I'll just say there's people chained up on a vessel that's filling full of water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he clearly used his experience on there to do some stuff with this one. We want to talk a little about Elvis just to kind of wrap up the, the 10? Sure. I mean, Elvis was a movie that I really loved but haven't given too much thought about. I would be excited to watch it with, like, my nice speaker, like, plugged in because it's a Baz Luhrmann movie. It's kind of like a party when you watch it. And I think that was a really smart move to not make it such a traditional, like a traditional biopic. I didn't want another Dewey Cox movie, yeah, which right. it, it gets there sometimes. It's hard not to because Dewey Cox is making fun of that kind of movie. And they're definitely pulling from the Elvis story in that. 
but just the like straight straight out of the get go where you have like the giant morphine drip and you have Tom Hanks like flipping through it. The screen's like a big jackpot casino machine. <laughs> like all this stuff is going through, and I'm just like this man who made this movie is insane. Yeah. I love it. It is absolutely a Baz Luhrmann movie through and through, but it's also yeah in so many ways it's Baz Luhrmann does a biopic, and it's exactly what you're paying for it's fun it's good it's a great soundtrack obviously because it's all elvis and it does a great job of kind of highlighting the the artist that elvis was clearly influenced by and was like acknowledged like he knew these people he even acknowledged him at the time that is like hey i'm borrowing your song and it's like it, it was just interesting i kind of wish that song got nominated the Doja Cat song, because oh, yeah. when that drops, like it's—I mean, it's kind of a cheesy hip hop song, but I mean, when that comes on the radio, I—I I, I get excited. Yeah. And when it played in the movie, I'm like, I'm watching a movie about Elvis with Doja Cat playing. Right. I know. I'm like, this is Baz Luhrmann, though. This is what he does. Mm-hmm. He puts modern music into like old stuff. It's just so funny. Um. But yeah, I mean, we talked about Austin Butler a lot. Tom uh, Hanks. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, I'm all over my Tom's. It's, it's a daily thing with me. But, man, I did not love that role. <laughs> I didn't love any of that framing with that character. Yeah, uh, I liked the framing, but I was just like, geez, Tom. And he's he's going big this year. Him and Pinocchio is ridiculous. Or, what is this one? A Man Called Earl? Oh, a Man Called Alt- Otto. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Otto, <laughs> Earl, whatever. It's kind of similar. What about, um, are there any movies that you thought should have been nominated that didn't quite make it? Because we talked about a couple. Then we talked about RR. We talked about The Woman King. We talked about um, Glass Onion. Um, Yeah, I'll just say for directing, I've got a few here. Um, Sure. We discussed it before, Woman King. Mm -hmm. I think... That is a movie that I could have seen gained, uh, nominated for directing. I really like the palette of that movie. Uh, it's very bright for a movie about like war. Um, a movie that no one saw and everyone should see that I would give a directing nom to is uh, Ambulance. Oh. Ambulance. That movie is like up there with The Rock as a Michael Bay movie and mm-hmm. he's using new he's using drone technology in like the coolest way possible and i think a directing nom should go towards people who are breaking the format and trying new things and i really recommend watching ambulance cuz the drone like there's shots where it's a car chase and you have drones flying under cars and around the cars oh and gosh. that's the camp that's your perspective and then you have two great uh People in there, you got Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, what's his name from uh, Candyman? Oh, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen, yes, the two of them. Uh, and then I would throw in the ring for director, I really liked The Northman. Northman, (laughs) I think that was a really well directed movie, yeah. That Northman is just fun. I think anybody who has seen any of Eggers' movies before. It's going to feel like, oh, yeah, this is right up there with it. And then even somehow escalates over to, like, The Lighthouse and The the Witch. Mm-hmm. It's just wild. Um, I know we're not going to talk too much about, like, we weren't going to touch on the screenplay noms, but I just want to throw two things out. Yeah, please do. I would have nominated for an original screenplay, Barbarian. Ooh, I think yes. that is a tight 
fucking screenplay. I'd almost give that a directing nom. There's some great shots in that movie. I almost had that under my director thing. And then, uh, like you said, I think Glass Onion probably deserved a screenplay nom. It did get a screenplay nom. Cool. Adapted screenplay. I didn't share it, was, but that was the only things I kind of... Too late in the episode to share this. I should have said this up front. I don't know if anybody knows this fact that if you nominate a sequel screenplay, it has to be adapted screenplay because it's technically adapting the story from the first right. story. Yep. yep. Um, so that is why... Glass Onion is nominated for Best Adapted and not Original, even though the story is originally written. Oh, that's probably... I probably looked at Original and was like, I don't see it here. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if you haven't watched Barbarian on HBO Max, it was in like my top five or top ten movies of this last year. I think that one definitely... (laughs) If you can stomach a horror movie, that that Mm -hmm. one is worth your time. I was blown away. That was exactly what I was looking for. I wish we had gotten to talk more about that at Halloween. If they did like uh, if they did like the Golden Globes thing where they had like comedic performance, I might give Justin Long like best supporting comedic Uh. performance because he is just you. It's one of those things where you watch you like I want to see more Justin Long and things. He is just chewing it up. I've got two to mention, Fred, and I think we talked about both already, but I'm going to make sure because I'm just going through my notes here. We did talk about both. The Menu. Yes, The I, Menu. I like that movie quite a bit, and I'm I'm still just sort of puzzled why people didn't love it because I'm like, I felt like that's everything you want in a movie and the performances were all so good, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I think people are going to kind of come through and be like, what the heck? Why didn't this get in there? But uh, the other one I'm also going to throw out, because we only talked about it one time with the actress nomination. Nope. Yeah. Shocking. That should have gotten it. That's a directed the shit out movie. I, I just, I'm the lack of anything for that movie. Design. I came out of there also sort of feeling like, oh, I don't know what I feel about this. And I thought about it for a while. And it's like, it's one of those movies where it's like, after you've watched it, you keep thinking about it, and it's like, why am I thinking about this? Because this movie's good. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and I've watched it, uh, like, I've thrown it on. I watched it, I rewatched it once, and I've, like, thrown it on once, like, just to, like, watch. And it looks good on, like, my decent-sized TV, but, man, in theaters, like, I think that was a gorgeous-looking movie. Oh, yeah. Great. I feel like Jordan Peele is going to be somebody that, like, Blank Check's going to look back on one day and be like, where were all of his... his hardware like how come mm-hmm. we got like get out and that's it um and then the people in the movies too it's also like how come these acting nominations didn't come through especially mm-hmm. for gosh like daniel kaluuya like which i liked that performance but i just was surprised that was the performance i heard the most people talking about i for sure walked away with that movie like kiki palmer more of her please she was great absolutely um i think I mean, there's a lot of great movies this year. I'm glad you called out Barbarian, too, because that one was a real, real good ride. It, it was just an act, uh, awesome movie for, or awesome year for movies. Who's got it, though? Who's going to win, and who do you think could win? I really think Everywhere All at Once is going to clean up big. Yeah. That's the vibe I'm getting based on the other awards. From what I've, I listen to a lot of like, podcasts where they theorize about the oscars and uh apparently a big trend is look at sag look at the dga and that'll kind of point the way but there's always room for upsets there's always room for green book situations what scares me is that something like all quiet on the western front's gonna win which i think is a very interesting story 
in a nutshell, because I had to read the book in school. I've seen some of the other movie versions of it. It's interesting for the time it was written. The movie that I watched this year was not the best movie of the year. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom. You know, the plan is I'm coming to your house. If that wins, I'm going to throw my shoe at your TV. Oh, no. Which is weird because you're a no-shoe house. I'm going to have to go to the front and grab my shoes and bring it back, sit down, and then throw the shoe. Yeah, no, literally. This is like being in Tokyo, Japan. You take you off your shoes <laughs> at the door. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think you are right, though. Everything ever at once, I think, is the likely winner. Could win, though. All quiet. I'd say The Dark Horse right now, though, maybe is two movies. I still think Banshees of Nisharan maybe sneaks in there. I also think Tar doesn't seem like it's totally out of the race. I'd be very surprised, but yeah, I I guess I wouldn't be completely surprised. Best picture. I could... I'm more see it the directing just because, like, it's so well shot. Yeah. did Did we pick our best directors? I don't think we did. I think you're right, though. I think Spielberg seems like the the possible, mm-hmm. but I could definitely see them. I could see that one getting like a uh, tar or is it Todd, uh, not Todd Phillips? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not talking about for Fox do I can... for Fale do it? Yeah, Fale do. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I will see that movie though because I'm so curious. <laughs> oh God, how can you not? I mean, a musical version of that is mm-hmm. unreal. But yeah, I think uh, Todd Field, not Todd, Todd Field. Phillips, yeah. could potentially win Best Director as well, or Martin McDonough. I mean, that's what I would like for director. I would like everything all at once to sweep, but then like Banshees win, like pick up little things. I don't really necessarily need Fablemans to win. Anything. Yeah, I know, but I think Spielberg's gonna walk away with that one. Yeah, there is that great shot in Fablemans though, where Seth Rogen runs to his car to turn the lights on, and it's just. It's just that Spielberg like shot. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I know. It's like the the one you've seen in all of his other movies. All right. I think that gets us to the end of our second annual Oscars episode, Fred. Any closing thoughts? I have a question. I want you to give me a prediction. Okay. We got Jim Kim is hosting. Jimmy Kimmel, yes. Do you think they're going to make a slap joke at all? Oh, come on. <laughs> Of course. I'm very, because I think they're going to, and I'm not trying to open this can of worms, but I'm very curious, like, the length of it. Like, how far will it go? Like, how big of a thing will it be? Will it be a back-from-commercial set piece, or will it be an offhanded joke? Yeah. Now, I I think it's going to be in the, the opening monologue. Like, everybody's going to be... Uh, where you have bouncers in the front of the stage, like the Hell's Angels or something like that, and just make even like a, a really bad like documentary joke from what is that? Uh, what's the Rolling Stones documentary called? Uh, Give me shelter. Oh yeah, where you actually see the the Hell's Angels like killing a guy. <laughs> it's crazy. Here's my question for you, Fred. Counter one: Is Chris Rock going to be there this year? Ooh, I hope he presents something. I hope so too. And he comes out with like a face mask. <laughs> Shaved head. Oh. <laughs> that would. That's that's good. That's good. Anything you'd like to plug? Oh no! Just check out the Interchange Theater. Uh, I'm going to be in more and more shows as the weather gets nicer and I have more free times. So that's theinterchangetheater.com, or check out my 
you know, check out my social medias. I'm always posting my shows and stuff like that. Yeah, check out Fred Dakin on, well, you're Chef Fredalicious, right, on Instagram? Yeah, I'm Chef Fredalicious on Instagram because at one point I told myself I'm only going to use Instagram to post food pictures. And then that all changed. (laughs) I'm promoting the podcast. First day of the franchise, Tom and Fred on Facebook at SOTF Pod on Instagram. I'm sorry, stay of the franchise on Instagram at SOTF Pod on Twitter. And we have stay of the franchise podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email. Buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF if you'd like to give us a one time donation or repute donation. But really, your ears and your listenership are all the, the donation we need every two weeks that we're doing this right now and we'll see you after this sunday which is the oscars so it's sunday at six or seven o'clock so we'll probably give a little bit of reaction on our next episode because it's also going to be in our movie month episode here i'm going to be taking off my shoes and my socks for this one (laughs) we're going to be talking about a, a director of sorts um He's a director. What am I saying? Of sorts. <laughs> We're talking about Quentin Tarantino, the man himself. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.